Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Palace Confidential, where we look back at the best bits over the past year of our favourite transatlantic content factory. I'm talking about Harry and Meghan, of course. I'm Joe Elvin, coming to you from Mail Plus HQ in Kensington. Well, 2021 marked the end of Harry and Meghan's time as senior royals, beginning the year by relinquishing their official duties and launching their non-profit organisation, Archwell. In March, the world watched with bated breath as they took a seat across from Oprah Winfrey for a tell-all interview, revealing accusations of racism, the depth of the rift between Harry and Prince Charles and Meghan's thoughts of suicide whilst living in the UK. Well, it's the interview that has caused shockwaves on both sides of the Atlantic. Finally, we got to sit down to watch the interview conducted by Oprah Winfrey with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan. I'm, I'm still reeling today, really, from the whole thing. I feel a bit like it's sort of after a family party that's gone horribly wrong and people have said things which they regret the next day. And I feel like we've all got a bit of a, a hangover. Um, I mean, my main feelings watching it last night was just um, sadness and anger, really. I thought it was just so unfair to make these comments about the Duchess of Cambridge, particularly Prince William and Prince Charles, when they can't answer back. So we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? And... Who, who is having that conversation with you? This is the most difficult thing for the palace and the royal family to comment on. Um, I think one of the things that we want to know more about is the context of it. In which context was it said? I mean, clearly it was it was crass and clunky and horrible. Um, but there could be a context to it uh, that we don't know about. And I think the palace want to find out more about that. And um, it's quite interesting that Harry and Meghan's story slight, slightly differs on this because Meghan said it happened when she was pregnant that Harry had a conversation with this unnamed family member. And interestingly, she said it wasn't just a conversation and a comment that this person concerned raised concerns about her child's skin colour, which is, is a really shocking allegation to make and very troubling if true. Whereas Harry says um, it happened right at the beginning before they were even married. And while he says it was kind of an awkward conversation, he was a bit shocked they made this remark. Interesting, while both of them said they didn't want to name the person concerned because it would be too damaging for them, Harry then told Oprah, can you please make clear in any subsequent publicity you do that it wasn't my grandmother or grandfather? So that kind of leaves a kind of ever narrowing, you know, band of suspects. And you know, that's something that's, that's very difficult and very potentially damaging um, for the royal family and also maybe potentially libelous in some cases. Look, I was really ashamed to say it at the time and ashamed to have to admit it to Harry especially. Um, 
because I know how much loss he suffered. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if I didn't say it, that I would do it. And I, I just didn't, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. This really was sort of the saddest part of the whole program um, last night. And, and it's something which will have upset everyone for the reasons you mentioned, because you know, even at their first appearance as the Fab Four together, they were talking about mental health issues. And I'm sure people would have wanted to help Megan had they known. I mean, it's not, it's not clear exactly who she spoke to or whatever, but the, the end result is she felt very isolated. And that brings back memories of Diana um, that I think it's very easy to get cut off from life. And Megan went from having a very full life um, you know, being very active with her lifestyle blog and everything, to then being on her own in a cottage where she said it was difficult for her even to have friends around or to go out or anything. And and I, I felt sorry for her. And I think that's something which um, is will definitely be a, a cause of regret for the royal family, I think. I'm just really relieved and happy to be sitting here talking to you with my wife by my side because I can't begin to imagine what it must have been like for her going through this process by herself all those years ago, because it has been unbelievably tough for the two of us, but at least we had each other. Yeah. When the boys did that interview in 2017, which was the 20th anniversary of their mother's death, it was very clear that William had sort of made his peace with it and was trying to move on, but that Harry was furious with Charles and that he blamed him for all of the terrible things that happened to Diana and that he really hadn't reconciled himself with his father. And I think that has really come through in this subsequent interview. And I think their relationship is very damaged, you know, in that respect. And part of this is, is Harry's revenge. Uh, on his father. And I think he really does feel very strongly that, you know, his mother was very poorly treated by his dad and that that was why she ended up having such a tragic life. And, you know, he's, he, you know, the whole, everything feeds from that, doesn't it, with Harry? Everything comes from that. I mean, he mentioned that Charles had stopped taking his calls, but he said now they are speaking and it was clear that he's not speaking to Prince William at all. And I'm sure that won't change for a long time now. And mm. it, it was, it did seem calculated. And I think it was part of this plan, which is deliberately to set themselves apart and show how Harry and Meghan are different from William and Kate and Charles. And they are rivals. Let's be frank about it. In June, it was the turn for happier news as Harry and Meghan welcomed a baby girl into their family. But the choice of her name, Lilibet, after the Queen's personal nickname, was one that many people thought was a step too far. Well, when it was announced on Sunday that Harry and Meghan had uh, welcomed the arrival of their baby daughter, uh, their choice of name did raise some eyebrows because it was Lilibet Diana. Uh, the Diana part of the name was expected, but the Lilibet part definitely wasn't because, of course, it is the Queen's pet name. Uh, it is the name that her parents, her grandfather and her husband and very, very close family members of her generation call her. Um, I think people would be less surprised if it had been Elizabeth, but Lilibet took people by surprise. And there's been a, a lot of commentary about this, whether it's just a little bit too 
too intimate, um, whether it's a name that um, the Sussexes are hoping will very much establish the link between their daughter and the royal family. So there, there has been a little bit of cynicism about this. They trademarked lilibetdiana.com two days before they announced the name. And remember, this is a couple who've made clear that they um, don't want their children to have public profiles. Mm. They've been very keen on privacy mm. and they've talked about how they want to have a, a life away from the camera. They haven't been, they've taken legal action against um, people who've taken photographs of Archie. Mm. And then on the other hand, you're giving them these names loaded mm. with significance mm. and royal connection. And, and Lilibet's name wasn't the only reason that the Sussexes were causing headlines this week. Of course it wasn't. There was also a new book, not another Finding Freedom. This one is called The Bench. Well, when the book was first announced, it was revealed that it had been based on a poem written by Meghan for, uh, for Harry to mark his first Father's Day uh, for their son Archie. And uh, it's about a father's relationship with his son seen through the eyes of a mother. What's your view, Sarah? Do you think Meghan's got a future in children's writing? I think it's a bit like Prince Edward, extremely dull. Um, um, but I think that, that what is interesting about it is that it seems to be, an, it's not really a children's book at all, it's more of an instruction leaflet for Harry. <laughs> it's just, but basically, it's just full of things going, you will, you will, you will do this, you will do this, this you will do this. Bench. You That's will bench. sit on it, yeah. and you will do this, and you will say this. As the year continued, Meghan and Harry's business empire grew, and following on from Meghan's debut as an author, the couple increased the range of their projects, from a new feminist animation with Netflix, a birthday initiative to help women get back into the workplace, as well as some more courtly scandal in an updated Finding Freedom and a controversial article in People magazine. It's her first show with Netflix. Obviously, Harry is executive producing another one on the Invictus Games. It's called Pearl. Um, it's about a 12-year-old girl and her adventures uh, based on her interactions with inspirational female figures from history. And it's being produced in conjunction with David Furnish, who's obviously the husband of Sir Elton John and someone who Harry has known for quite a while. I think from this new show, um, it's going to be showing how this young character, Pearl, has met all these historical characters that have played an important role in feminism or sort of female icons from history. Mm. Um, so it sounds very worthy. Very worthy. Does it sound like a kid's show, do you think, Charlotte? Well, I've got two young daughters and they have picture books about feminist icons from history. So it is a sort of thing in the kids' world, but I will say that they aren't my children's favourite books. Um, in fact, they, What about The Bench? Do they like The Bench? Um, oh, I couldn't bring myself to buy a copy of The Bench. <laughs> the, grammar's too, the grammar's too bad for my two-year-old daughter. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it, is, it is worthy. I just don't think it's going to get the audiences you might be hoping for. Finally going to do a Suits reunion. Okay. I I love Suits, but why would I do a Suits reunion for my birthday? Why would the cast of Friends do a, a reunion for my birthday? But they did it. They did say they would only ever do it for a historical event. Mm. I think the bigger idea is... Yacht party! Yacht party! Who's ready for a yacht? Like, when you say no yacht, do you mean zero yachts? <sighs> no, here's the idea. Because I'm turning 40, I'm asking 40 friends to donate 40 minutes of their time to help mentor a woman who's mobilizing back into the workforce. 
Well, as anyone who has a passing interest in the royals will know, uh, Meghan has turned 40 this week, but not for her a glass of uh, cheap, warm Prosecco with her mates, which I think is what I did. Um, she wants to create a global movement, so very Meghan. Um, and it's basically 40 at 40. She's encouraged 40 of her closest friends to give up 40 minutes of their time to mentor a woman who has lost their job as a result of the COVID pandemic and to try to help them get back into employment. And you also have a moment at the end where they have a kind of series of bloopers where you can see Harry um, trying to put Megan off by juggling at the window. I mean, it's actually quite sweet and quite funny, but just makes him look a little bit like a kind of lame dunk mucking around while his wife's going about this serious business. I'm sure some people will find it hilarious, but others, uh, it may strike a strike, you know, slightly bum note with them. What do you make of that little scene, well, that, that, that accidental... Well, again, it's this, whole sort yeah. of, it's this whole sort of, oh, we're just fun, normal people having a fun, <laughs> normal time in our 11 million pound mansion blah 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 it's the, it, it's 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 what he did with James Corden on the bus it's this sort of trying to project this image of kind of sort of you know jovial normality and and it I just don't, it just doesn't stick well, with I me. I think it's interesting. It's always Harry, because I mentioned on this program before how we seem to have this sort of developing narrative of sort of good cop, bad cop. Yeah. yeah. And so we Sensible have, one, silly one. We have Megan yeah. makes the Netflix program, the yeah. feminist program that's going to help women. Now she's helping women again with this initiative. Oh, Harry, he's the one who, um, you know, um, bitches about his family in a book and then is there being the clown literally juggling outside well, the window in, in, in literally fairness, being a court jester in outside fairness, the window it's really hard to juggle a new interview in America's People magazine with Omid Scobie a journalist said to be close to the couple has made some claims that suggest the royal fallout is only getting worse the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, however, say that the book is unauthorised and its sources do not speak for the couple. Well, it might be helpful to uh, explain a little bit about the context. So, of course, last summer, Finding Freedom, the extremely flattering biography of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex came out. It's now being reprinted in paperback form and the authors have added an epilogue which will bring readers up to date with events over the last 18 months. But of course, uh, it wouldn't be Harry and Meghan if it didn't come with a bit of controversy. And lo and behold, that's what we have today. Um, and the suggestion in the book is that the couple were less than impressed with the Queen and the royal family's reaction to the claims they made in the Oprah interview in March. And um, they feel that unless the royal family are willing to own up to uh, what has happened, that they're not going to be able to move on as a couple. The publisher, HarperCollins, has hinted there's going to be a lot more in it. They're going to address things like the couple's feelings around the loss of the Duke of Edinburgh, about, you know, the sad loss of uh, their baby when Meghan had a, a miscarriage. Um, so they are promising lots more revelations. You know, they, they made a great song and dance. There are all these stories appearing about how they were going to have this long period of maternity leave and paternity leave after Lilibet's birth. And then even then, every week there's been something, something commercial. I mean, to be fair, in this case, you know, this is Omid Scobie and his co-author, it's not, it's not them. But I think he's just making clear that there's a lot more to come. This is about the, the culpability or the accountability of an institution, not just the humans within it. And, and it's an arm of state. And that's why Harry and Meghan feel like they're small and, um, uh, and vulnerable, the victims, if you like. And so any other allegations that go the other way, uh, they don't see in the balance in the round. Because, of course, there were those accusations of bullying, weren't there, that Meghan had been a bully. And I think they were being looked at. And that seems to have been 
quietly mm. shoved under the carpet as well. But I am sure on, on some sort of personal and somewhat naive level that they did expect that to be, even if it was just private, an apology. That was never going to happen. You know, an aristocratic family falling on their sword to the, mm. to the, to the people who've, who've just abandoned ship. No, no mm. way. As the year approaches end, a series of phone calls from Meghan to the US Congress showed how Harry and Meghan had moved away from royal impartiality. And in November, the Duchess took to lobbying congressmen, later writing a public letter in support of properly paid parental leave. All this from the letterhead of the Office of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. This led our Palace Confidential panel to question whether Meghan had political ambitions of her own. Well, I do think what's so new is this story today about Meghan cold-calling Republican senators in the, in the US and using um, her title, saying, hi, it's the Duchess of Sussex here, is, is, is very interesting development. And this is something that Meghan Harry couldn't do if they were working members of the British royal family. It is constitutionally improper mm. to be engaging with politicians, to be trying to shift opinion uh, and, in, and use your influence, your privilege, your power to try and get your, your way in terms of political change. But do you mm. think that Republican senators or any American politicians feel like they need to sit up and take notice because the Duchess of Sussex has, has called them? Do you think that that has power over them? In, uh, to some extent, you know, it's nice to be called by important people, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. it's no, no doubt they, they must be charmed by the fact that she's taking the, uh, taking the initiative, making the effort to get in touch with them. Mm. Uh, I think whether it's going to change their opinion, that's the key thing. I think she would have found it very frustrating when she was, um, you know, an active member of the royal family that she couldn't speak out on issues. She'd previously attacked Donald Trump as a misogynist and said other um, things about him. And now she's free to do so. And, um, and I think she's going to be taking advantage of that. So um, there's going to be a, a lot more along this route, I think. So watch this space. Charlotte, what do you make of uh, Meghan's political interventions? Well, Meghan wrote her first letter at the age of eight, remember? Mm. Um, so, you know, this is another version of that but you know ten times bigger and more important and um, I think it is actually a really important issue so Megan's meddling um, I think in this case is actually a really good thing um, and it is a cause that is universally backed um, but it's a really good one and I can imagine what she's feeling now that she's got two two children she must be thinking how do people do this without maternity leave I can vouch I've been there twice myself you know maternity leaves is an incredibly important thing um, for any family, so I, I'm, I'm all for it. And wasn't it fascinating how the letter was very much from the, the office of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex? Know, the formal writing at the top. You know, for people who wanted to get rid of their royal titles, they seem very mm. keen to make the most of the sort of gravitas that those titles give them. That is all we have time for on our special episode of Palace Confidential. A big thank you to all my wonderful guests this year, to the Sussexes for giving us quite so much to talk about, and an even bigger thank you to you, of course, for watching. Have a very Merry Christmas.